0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Marina Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Alsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, you and I talked yesterday uh, when we were at the concert you and I went to about, uh, I guess we didn't talk at the concert, we were just talking at the concert about college football. It would be weird, but we were talking about how little we watched of week zero this weekend. Um, Is there anything,
1: looking back, that you wish you would have gotten to see? No. No. I had a great weekend. and didn't need to no know Week 0 football.
0: I'm kind of inclined to agree. Gandy-Hawaii seemed like it was a decent game, 35-28 in favor of Vanderbilt, but I was doing pretty okay, I guess, um, yeah. without any more football. And uh, we're, we, we've got plenty of football coming our way this week, so uh, we don't need to overdo it in Week 0 when the, the matchups aren't too appealing. But we are going to talk about week one today, because it is week one. or it is, It's like a top five weekend of the sport calendar,
1: right? It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I've never thought about it. I've never quantified it like that, but it's up there.
0: Obviously, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is number one. Masters weekend is great. Yep. Uh, on the opposite in the spectrum, Super Bowl Sunday is the worst I guess that, like there's there's not really a a whole lot of like weekend based things in, in the sports you and I care about where you know the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, they can all kind of start whenever makes most sense in the week. Like a
1: Thursday night, maybe a Wednesday it Well and they don't yeah, they don't revolve around the weekend the same way. It's just whenever it happens, it happens.
0: Yeah, and uh college football it is a sport about the weekend. A sport that you start watching at 11 a.m. and you stop watching at roughly 1.30 a.m. The, the next day. Whenever you have completely lost all, uh, all fuel and, uh, and, and all energy, but just really needed to see what happens between Wazoo and Cal. So uh, wow, Incarnate Word. Yeah, is that this weekend? It is this weekend.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I thought it, No. No, I'm sorry. I was thinking about that because Wazoo's quarterback a couple years ago came from Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word is actually playing at UTEP. Wazoo is playing Colorado State. State. I was just thinking about both games, so it all kind of bored together in my brain.
0: We're going to talk a lot about a game happening Thursday night, obviously the Big Fox game. Um, But first, we need to answer our last Gophers preview question of the fall.
1: the the pre-fall, which is, what will the Gophers record be? Should I just say it, or should I walk through my logic, or both?
0: Uh, You can start with the record and then give me an explanation.
1: Yeah, I'm saying seven and five. I'm saying seven and five. I'm taking Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, Louisiana. Uh, I'm taking those as a given, And then basically, I think we'll get Michigan State. I think I'm pretty confident about Nebraska this week. You know, and then I think we'll get two of Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Something like that, which gets you out to seven. I don't think they're – they could get North Carolina, but I just – again, I'm not super confident in that at this time. Obviously, Michigan and Ohio State, those are, you know, really high-level teams, so I'm not expecting those. That is kind of my thinking as of right now. I mean, there, there's a higher ceiling in that certainly, and even a lower floor. But looking at it right now, that's kind of the way I'm the way the way the way I'm thinking about it. I like the matchup against Nebraska. The more I think about it, again, Eastern Michigan's a gimme. North Carolina's gonna be really tough, and then the next two weeks you are good. I, I think again, Michigan State. It's it's hard to know with again some of these teams, right? But just given the way it's played out, you know, last year and. I, I I can't feel great about Michigan Michigan State as a team. And then I, I I do think you know Purdue Illinois. I mean those feel like toss up games as do as do Iowa and Wisconsin. They're not all they're, they they vary in their styles of play and honestly their talent levels those teams. But I still feel like those are going to be more like fifty fifty sixty forty type games either way depending on a myriad of factors I guess.
0: So, if you wanted to, uh, I could go over the uh, win probabilities according to the Massey ratings for each game, like in buckets. (laughs) Um, Between 70 and 100%, we have Nebraska, Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, UL Lafayette, and Michigan State. Um, Illinois comes just in under that at 69%. We can put them, Purdue, Iowa and North Carolina and Wisconsin, those five in the bucket of between 30 and, or 31 and 69%, I guess. And then everything 30 or lower is Michigan and Ohio State, obviously. Yeah. Uh, So you've got five games you expect to win, five games that if you get, you know, more than one of, you can feel okay with. Uh, you obviously want to get at least three, uh, and you would like to win all of them if you can, but it, we, we understand it's not the most likely thing in the world. And then two that is that are just huge uphill battles, whether that is because of Michigan's defense um, mm-hmm. and running back talent or because of Ohio State's everything on offense, except their quarterback maybe, who will probably still be good anyway. Um, it's just going to be a really, really hard, weekend each time you you play the two best teams in the conference but otherwise there are a lot of winnable but difficult games and then there are a few that we should expect the dofers to win all of we'll get into why nebraska might be a little trickier than we might think on paper but for now i i agree with the ones you you say the dofers should win um because eastern michigan you know as tricky as they've been in the mac they turn over a lot of their roster this year, which is already a MAC level roster. Northwestern is in complete chaos and is, you know, coming from a, a bad level football-wise anyway. UL Lafayette um, is, you know, not awful by any stretch. They can definitely make a bowl game in the Sun Belt. But uh, even in a really strong Sun Belt, they're not an exceptional team. They... um they lose a lot of their defense, which is the better side of the ball for them. And then uh, Michigan State, you know, their their secondary is just awful. And they yeah. um, haven't really done a whole lot to fix it. They bring back a lot of the guys who are part of that really bad secondary and the transfers they bring in aren't really too exciting you have terry roberts from iowa who's a really good special teamer but has not played a whole lot on defense and made a huge impact uh and then a couple guys who have kind of been bit players elsewhere uh and on top of that uh don't have a very good offensive line and you know are breaking in a breaking in a new quarterback who could be better than peyton thorne but neither of the guys who are potentially going to start or necessarily the most exciting between Noah Kim and they, uh, um, and they, I believe true freshman or redshirt freshman quarterback in, in Peyton Hauser. So, uh, you know, those are the games that I feel like, especially with the Dophers particular strengths, they should win. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. So um, I will also do with seven and five as, as my predicted record, I am a little more pessimistic than computers about a trip to Iowa City, for obvious reasons. I'm also less high on Wisconsin. I admittedly am in the writing stage where I have not done my research into Wisconsin to make myself afraid of them. But at a glance, I can see a team who returns a lot, and I understand why the computers liked that. Uh, And I can understand why the projection systems would see a good quarterback, at SMU, move to Wisconsin and see a some potential, but I also think it's just, even if they're not going to immediately go to, like, throwing 50 times a game or whatever with Phil Longo, it is going to be an adjustment. There's going to be some penalty for this transition. When you bring in a new coaching staff, when you try changing systems, uh, it's just going to be a little tricky to make that stick immediately. So I, I don't think Wisconsin will be great. They could be A real, real tough challenge by the end of the year, but I don't think they're going to be more than like a six or seven win team, probably, without looking at their schedule. So I I think between Iowa and Wisconsin, the Jophers odds better of uh, of winning one, and I like their odds of winning the other a lot less. Was there any game on the schedule that you look at and think this could be the difference between winning the... Division or, you know, should there be some injuries or, like, some catastrophe? Like, if you expect to go bowling and expect to, you know, meet expectations for the season, like, this is the game that has to be checked off the list?
1: I mean, I think the Illinois and Purdue games are big, just because I think those are teams, like I said, that are at or below or slightly below your caliber. And those are games I feel like you, if you want to have a really good season— and meet or exceed expectations. I think you have to win both of those. So there's a lot of pressure on both of those. I mean, obviously, if you wanna compete for the division, you're gonna have to beat Iowa, Wisconsin, probably both. Um, So those are huge games as far as that goes. As far as a hinge game, I mean, I do think, again, the North Carolina games, the Northern Nebraska game, you know, we might find out a lot of, you know, that's a competitive enough game week one where we're like, OK, this might be who we are. Uh, but I think we're going to learn a lot in the North Carolina game. And I think that's a big hinge game. That's a game where if we win our first two, you know, and can beat North Carolina, again, maybe it's 60-40 on, in favor of them. I don't know what the computers say, but um, that's a game that if you win, you know, with your next two Being Northwestern and and the raging Cajuns, I mean, you have to feel pretty good about that, I guess. Starting five and zero or four and one or whatever, I mean, you'd have to beyond take that. I think that's so. That's a big hinge game in terms of momentum, I think, even if it doesn't have the same, you know, conference uh, division or conference title implications as uh, any matchup with Iowa, Wisconsin, really, just anybody in your division.
0: There is a real route to to winning nine games, ten games, even this season, and uh, it depends very heavily on that Northwest, uh, on that North North Carolina game. Uh, obviously, you want to get one of Iowa and Wisconsin, but that that North Carolina game that will be a test of your secondary. That Nebraska and EMU and Northwestern and UL Lafayette just will not present. in um, yeah. Those first first few games, so that in the first month and change. UNC will probably be the most informative about what we have here um, for the the rest of the season. And um, if they have a good showing, then you can start to feel good about the possibility of competing for the division. If they don't, you know, it's not the end of the world or anything. It could just be a bad matchup that doesn't exist when you play Iowa, uh, for example, or Illinois. But it's... uh, you know, that that is going to be one that if you, you win, you feel really, really good about, like you said, especially with the, the next two. You could start out five and zero real easy. Just so the question is, do you finish with a what it would that be a a two and five backstretch? So it, it it's it's a backloaded schedule, relatively speaking. Um and uh it's, it's gonna be tricky, but at the very least this first, first month's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. We have both put in our uh Our predictions for the record so that is what is going to happen but that of course all starts on thursday against nebraska the first game of the 2022 uh, 2023 season the first game of matt rule's tenure as head coach at nebraska coming off a four and eight season last year where they uh somehow won three big ten games if you can believe it uh against indiana Rutgers, and iowa (laughs)
1: Um, What a hilarious program What a hilarious program The last decade and a half Two decades
0: Uh, Did did everyone a huge favor In keeping Iowa out of the Big Ten title game Rule of course is coming off A not so great tenure With the Carolina Panthers But before that was Superb at Temple and at Baylor Obviously Temple has had a, a run Of successful coaches between Al Golden and Steve Adazio before Rule got there, but uh Rule turned them into one of the best defensive teams in the country, one of the best mid-majors in the country, and then made Baylor into a really, really strong program that also like you know made everyone not necessarily forget about the the art browse tenure, but sort of made Baylor kind of understand like their identity didn't need to be in that uh, form of football and help people move on a bit. And uh, he's, he's a rule I I think incredibly highly of as a college coach. And this was a very, very sensible hire. Uh, What what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I think I, 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 I agree with your, your conjecture of him as a hire, your, your assessment of the hire. I mean, he's just, like you said, he's been successful everywhere he's been. I mean, I, again, that, that run at Temple was really, really strong. And, you know, there's a lot of differences between coaching at the pro level and the college level. So the fact that he sort of flamed out after what was it, was it even, was it a year at, at Carolina was two or it three, two? Yeah. two or three? Yeah. I mean that if I were to be a Nebraska fan, that wouldn't shake my faith in the fact that he's a good hire. I think he's the kind of guy they need. He's, he's, he's just tough, <laughs> you know, like you said, he's defensive minded, big 10 coach, you know, um, all that, uh, you know, and if he recruits well, I think there's reason for optimism in their program in a way that, you know, I, I mean, the expectations are always an issue there. But they've been so far below those expectations that maybe they'll, you know, be more reasonable with him.
0: I mean, he's got an eight year contract, so that helps. Yeah. Uh, they they understand you know his whole deal takes a bit of time, and it could be kind of two of the studs starting off. I don't think it'll quite be that bad this year. They do have Colorado on the schedule, after all. After all, so there's one win. One yeah. But I mean, one of the things that was so impressive about gruel at Baylor is, I mean, he is obviously like it was just just go through his his background. So he went to Penn State. He was at a a his coaching career was uh at a small college in pennsylvania then to buffalo ucla for one year then a few years at western carolina then some time at temple then uh one year with the giants as an assistant coach then temple and then you know that that's very squarely an east coast guy yeah. um and he goes into Baylor and he says, OK, I'm going to surround myself with as many people as possible who know the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. And that included Joey McGuire, some Texas recruiting specialists who, who, you know, could give him a gateway into Texas high schools. Now, obviously, Nebraska, you you don't need to. I mean, you you need to get into Texas if you're uh, a program with any sort of aspirations nationally. But, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, the the recruiting base is probably going to be a little more regional or going into the South. And I guess Texas would be part of that, but it it just shows a certain level of adaptability and uh, an eye for really good assistance, which he has done a a good job with uh, on this staff, I think going out and getting Tony white defensive coordinator from Syracuse who uh, had Syracuse 15th, I believe in yards per play allowed last year. And then they uh, then he got Marcus Satterfield from South Carolina, who had a pretty strong year uh, last year as the Gamecocks did. So he's he's gotten a good staff together. And uh, he obviously brought in a ton of transfers because this roster really needed it. But also in some places, it's clear like this is they're they're kind of just going to have to wait for some guys to graduate. And that'll start on the lines of both sides of the ball, where you look at their offensive line. Bryce Benhart is still here. Nuruddin Nwili, who did not play last year because of a suspension. Um, He's back, but was not especially good a couple of years ago. He's in Piper, who's a veteran for them on the offensive line. He's back as well as Turner Corcoran. It's a lot of very familiar faces, which in if they were younger, you could say, well, that means they're probably going to get better, right? But it's a bunch of upperclassmen, and we've kind of seen what they are. And what they are is a pretty bad offensive line. They were 113th in sack rate allowed last year. Um, we're very poor in run blocking stats like young line yard. They're 104th in opportunity rate. Um, they brought in a, a transfer at center from Arizona State, Ben Scott, who will probably provide something. But... Ben Scott didn't like have any accolades or whatever at Arizona State. He's just an experienced starter. Um, it will, you know, be there. But they're pretty thin on the line, and I don't have a lot of faith in the guys who have been bad before to suddenly be good. So they they could have trouble running the ball a bit. And also, uh, I I was watching some Georgia Tech earlier. Jeff Sims, their transfer quarterback from Georgia Tech, I I like. But he spent so much of his time there, like getting just beat up every week. Um and he's he's gonna have more of that, I think. And especially since I, I don't look at their receiving core and see like a really good group. Marcus Washington was a very solid receiver for them last year after transferring from UT. Uh he's coming off an injury, but should be available week one. Behind him you got Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, who uh, registered last year after transferring from New Mexico State, where he did a bit more. Uh, You have a former walk-on and Alex Bullock, who has never caught a pass in college. Um, You have a couple tight ends who only have a, a total of six career catches in college. Then you have a couple grad transfers, one from Baylor and Josh Fleeks, who did play under rule for a couple seasons. Uh, And then one from Virginia and Billy Kemp, the fourth, who had a pretty quiet
1: 2022, but was more solid a couple years ago. That's a group, too, that I feel like that's in previous years, wide receiver has really been a strength for Nebraska, which, again, doesn't say anything to their quality now, but. That's a position where they've historically been very good, even on some of their not great recent teams yeah, I mean
0: the, the they've been able to get some really
1: good transfers,
0: and this year it doesn't really feel like they have that ceiling there's uh, certainly
1: no uh there's certainly no Wandale
0: yeah, there's no Wandale uh who's the guy they got from Montana a year or two ago what was that
1: uh, um mm. Trying to remember if that was uh, which one that was.
0: Well, Trey Palmer, I think, was an LSU transfer, and he was really good. He had 71 catches last oh, year. Samori Toure. Yes, yeah, Samori Toure, I, I thought was a really solid player, and Travis Vogtlek was a player who, at tight end, always seemed to hurt the Gophers, but he's gone now. Yeah. Um, they do have Eric Gilbert. <laughs> If you don't know the saga of Eric Gilbert, he was a five-star composite prospect, number five overall prospect in the 2020 class. Wound up at LSU, had a really strong true freshman season, 35 catches, a couple touchdowns. Then transferred out of LSU, went to Georgia, where he basically sat the entire time. And now he's at Nebraska, but he needs a waiver from the NCAA in order to play this season. Yeah. And we haven't gotten any news on that front, so um, there's a decent chance he doesn't play uh, at all this season, and a stronger chance he doesn't play week one. <clears throat> so I don't know if we need to worry about him. But on Sims, I, I think Jeff Sims is the only guy like you have to really key on, key in on uh, as like a a big threat. I really like his arm, his his, his throwing technique is pretty much all arm he doesn't like generate a lot of torque with his lower body but like he just he's got a really quick release and all he has to do is like just flick his wrist and it gets there in a hurry wherever he needs it he's also a really good runner he's fearless which is probably part of the reason he got hurt uh, as often as he did as a college player at uh, or as a, as a quarterback at georgia tech in addition to the fact that his offensive line was terrible you know he we, we've seen the gophers the last year really struggle against mobile quarterbacks, really struggle at keeping them in the pocket and turning pressures into sacks. So the biggest key defensively for the Gophers this year and this week is uh, just keep Jeff Sims in the pocket and collapse the pocket in on him. Like, don't, you know, I I would not blitz much at all. I'd have a spy, uh, someone who's ideally, you know, quick enough to, to keep up if needed. Um, but really just rushing for basically all game because you don't want him breaking out. You don't. You, you want to make sure that pocket is, uh, you know, he, he's sitting there as long as possible so that you can get to him in time and, uh, you know, trust your defensive backs to cover receiver core, who's probably going to be fairly average. That's what I have on the Nebraska offense. The defense, I think, is very interesting, but also probably going to be bad again. Last year in non yards, in non sack yards per carry, they ranked 94th. They didn't generate many stuffs. All they were good at defensively was preventing big plays. And they've lost a bit of their secondary. And one of the guys they bring back in uh, safety, uh, Marquise Buford, will miss the first few weeks because of an injury. So they're going to be a little inexperienced. And so I don't think you have to worry as much about their secondary, but I'm especially thinking this is a game where you can win up front because a lot of the guys in the box from last year on the team that was not very good at stopping the run are back for 2023, where you have Ty Robinson, the tackle slash end. You have Nash Hootmaker, um, who was a, I think, second string nose tackle this year as a starter now. The linebackers are back as well, and Luke, Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer, neither of whom I'm super impressed by. Reimer is a better coverage linebacker than, uh, than he is a, a run stopper. But uh, what's interesting is, again, they, they got in a good defensive coordinator, and also their front is going to be a bit weird because it's a 3-3-5, which you don't see a whole lot in the Big Ten. It looks a lot like a 4-2-5 a lot of the time where they've got like a hybrid edge linebacker type. But then a single deep safety a lot of the time, who does come to, down to the box a lot, uh, sometimes, but most of the time he he stays deep. Two safeties outside of him rather than like a, what the Gophers do, where it's basically just you're replacing a linebacker with a slot corner. This is essentially three safeties across the back, two of whom will come down a bit. And between their hybrid edge guy and those two safeties, they can move – their front around a lot, so they can look like a four-two-five. They can look like a three-four. They can look like a four-four. Like you know, sometimes they can drop back. Basically, everyone and rush three. You know, it. it there and a lot of that movement into whatever look they're giving you is 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 pretty late in the snap count. So that that'll present some challenges for Ethan Manis for the offensive line trying to diagnose where the rush is coming from, uh, whether the, that edge defender is, is going to come, which he will most of the time. But, you know, maybe they'll show blitz with him and then come out you know from the opposite side, something like that. So in the spring game, the, the guy they, who will probably start there, uh, a guy named MJ Sherman, transferred from Georgia. who did basically nothing at Georgia, but he looked decent in the spring game, I thought. Uh, either him or or Chief Borders, which is a fantastic name. The yeah. you know, the Florida transfers, thank you for that. They'll, those are the guys you're gonna see at that Jack position, they call it. But the guys they have in on the defensive line who are new. You have a 265 pound end. You have a 250 pound end, uh, and then a tackle from Texas A&M, Elijah Judy who didn't record any stats in 2022, had half a tackle the year before that is not on the official depth chart for this week for Nebraska. So in other words, they're going to be pretty small up front Yeah. and um, that has served the deal for pretty well in the past. Obviously, you know, a lighter box is going to be a little faster, but you should be able to move the ball fairly well on the ground. And uh, i don't like their secondary enough the the new dice coming in the the starters they have to replace or have to have someone fill in for for me to think that their secondary is going to be that strong at least week one so obviously we can be surprised but this is a game that you would think the doofers have a significant upper hand in anyway uh kickoff is gonna be seven o'clock e s p n or not ESPN, Fox on Thursday, Gold Platt, Gus Johnson, and Jenny Taft will be on the call. Weather, 79 degrees, mostly clear, 16-mile-per-hour wind, which could be a factor. It was a factor in Lincoln last year, though it was a lot windier in Lincoln than 16 miles per hour. Uh, Looking at the various projections, Vegas has it as a 7-point spread in favor of the Gophers. FPI, 67% chance the Gophers win. SP+, Plus gives uh, a a twenty eight sixteen store projection with a seventy six percent chance of the Dorfers winning. Massey is not that far from that either. Twenty seven seventeen the projected store line with a seventy nine percent chance that Minnesota wins the game. I will uh, I will first ask Aaron, what do you think this door is gonna be?
1: Yeah. I, you know, as, as much as I want to be pessimistic um, and as much as I, as much as I do have very real, just week one nerves where it's like, you know, you don't know what you got until you see it. You know, I mean, we were a lot, but we also replace a lot. So it's like, you know, like what does the post mole world look like? But Ultimately, I think we are the better team. I mean, everything you just said <laughs> just confirmed all that for me, right? I mean, I feel like in most most dimensions we have the upper hand um, in terms of the way we match up with them. So, I'm I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to say 30 to 20 to the Gophers. I, I mean, nothing will surprise me in week one, but I, I think we are the better team. I think we're we think we're a little bigger. I think our our skill position players are better. I think we have a little more upside. A little more experience too, and again, with the, like you said, new coach. You know, um, even if we like him in the long run, it's still it's a project that they got going there. So, it might take me a few years to you know get up to where they want to be. So, yeah, I mean, it it nothing like I said, nothing will surprise me, but I do think we are the better team. So I'll go, I'll go thirty to twenty. I'll be op, more optimistic than I usually am.
0: I'll say twenty four sixteen in favor of Minnesota um but i do allow that this could be a high scoring game if the things we hope for on the doffers defense the the questions we have about some of those spots um you know we we don't get the results we want yeah and if maybe nebraska does some weird stuff um you know i i think the offense should be okay for the doffers but if you know, the defensive line just isn't there. If they can't uh, close in on Sims and then bring him down, then that could open the, you know, open up a a different kind of game than we're used to seeing from the Dophers. But I, I think it's probably more likely than not that Sims just won't have enough places to go with the ball. The Dophers will continue being slow, you know, and methodical and draining clock, which will be even more significant because of the clock rule. Uh, changing this year where the it doesn't stop on first downs outside of the last two minutes of a half um, so it could be more of a time of possession game uh, to be more high story if a couple of things don't go right but in general I, I think the Dophers have a lot of advantages here and um, you know granting some week one weirdness it'll be competitive but um, I don't know that Nebraska will really ever have a, you know, control of the game, if that
1: makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that that's I, – I think I lean the same way. Yeah, I mean, obviously our scores are very similar, so.
0: Well, um, that's what we think is going to happen in the, the main event, as far as we are concerned, Thursday night. Very, very much looking forward to that. I uh, did a lot of just picturing myself in the stadium today, and it will be <laughs> – uh, a most most satisfying feeling to to be in the the stadium and it's a gold out it's sold out and uh, hopefully you know there are not so many Nebraska fans that will uh it you know that they'll they'll have disrupted the the gold out but whatever um, the other Big Ten games happening Friday night Central Michigan goes to East Lansing to play Michigan State. That is 6 o'clock on FS1. Saturday, 11 a.m., Utah State, Iowa. Not really worth watching, but uh, it's on. 11 a.m., Fresno State, Purdue is on BTN. Also, at the same time, East Carolina, Michigan, uh, which is on talk the first ever Big Ten game on talk which, uh, you know, if if, if us... us Premier League and Tour de France viewers already have it, but I'm uh, just gonna warn you right now: the Purdue game later in the year is gonna be on Peacock, so you're gonna either need it or need to find a friend who has it. 2:30, we have two or we have three games: Towson, Maryland, Buffalo, Wisconsin, and Ohio State, Indiana. Ohio State, Indiana is the first game on CBS of this current uh, Big Ten TV contract. Then in the evening, Toledo, Illinois at 6.30. The big NBC game is West Virginia-Penn State, uh, which will probably not be close because West Virginia is in a pretty bad way. Um, but it will probably be a really cool atmosphere because those two teams have some history and, and legitimate rivalry to them, even if both yeah. have been funny. Yeah. Um, And then Sunday is a game of the weekend. On CBS at 11 a.m., Northwestern at Rutgers.
1: You know, it says you can get tickets for $31 to so that game. I am shocked. I am shocked that I that feels inflated is all I'm saying.
0: Uh, I mean, it's, there's a good chance they haven't sold that many tickets, you know, so the secondary market can't really, uh, uh, you know, you, you don't have that many options on the secondary market, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. What are you looking at watching this weekend that is outside of the Big Ten?
1: Yeah, so let's just kind of go day by day. It, and honestly, I mean, if it, it's a week one slate, like I said. It's not a great slate. There aren't very many games that I'm excited for. With that said, I will be watching a lot of football, <laughs> more likely than not, um, because it is football. It is week one, and that is beautiful. Um, you know, the Thursday night game, I do think I, – I do think that the Nebraska at the Gophers is it, the best game in the Big Ten week one. I, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I actually believe that. And I believe it's the best game on Thursday. Although Florida at Utah has – theoretically has potential. I think Utah's a much more reliable team. Um, oh, yeah. As far as other things, Friday, nothing intrigues me, to be honest. Saturday. Um, looking at that early slot that eleven o'clock slot again here, there isn't much. I wonder about Virginia at Tennessee just because Virginia is a major conference team and Tennessee is starting Joe milton um, you know we 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 know that guy. <laughs> it's a big ten name right you, you can't you can't escape it i'm I will believe it when I see it with Tennessee this year. I loved him last year, but i I don't know it' we'll, we'll see. Colorado, TCU, you know, where the joke's, whatever, it's not going to be good. Um, Utah, State, at Iowa, I don't anticipate being good, um, but you know, who knows? It's Iowa, they could, you know, they could lay an egg, I guess. Looking at the, I guess that you asked for outside the Big Ten, so that last one doesn't qualify. Looking at the the twelve and one o'clock slate. Uh, you know, you and I at Iowa State, I think Iowa State is probably a much better team, but those Missouri Valley teams, they, they just, they, they, they win, they win, they, they play, they, they're tough, you know, and, and you and I isn't the best of them, but they got history, they're tough, you know, they, 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 they want it, <laughs> you know, um, theoretically. Theoretically, Boise State versus Wash—I have no idea what Boise State brings—but in a slate like this, that is a game that is a uh, Boise State at Wash, I should say. That is a, that is a game that has some potential. And then just looking later in the day, uh, I don't know. I had like three here. It's pretty tough. You know, I like—I don't love Coastal at UCLA, but. You know Grayson's still there. You know, and I mean, he think about coastals. That guy does not turn the ball over. And you know, their their upside isn't insane. I don't think. You know, I don't. I don't know if they're going to win ten or eleven games this year again. And even if they do, I they don't have to win beat UCLA probably to do that. Um, but that is again in this slate. I I like that. Um, you know. Tech at Wyoming, tech is probably favored, but um somewhat interesting nonetheless. Uh Two at twenty four versus South Alabama. You know, I mean, I, we're really grasping at straws here. Um but those are the those are those are some games that I think, you know, maybe could maybe could, you know, turn out all right. And then I just noticed that O D U is playing V T, so <laughs> look out. Always a uh, chance of something stupid happening there. Yeah, and then I should shout out Sunday, too. I mean, LSU at Florida State. I mean, we talked about Florida State in the car last night, and I don't think either of us are super high on them, but, you know, that's a top – That's at, it's at least at this point in the season a top-ten matchup, so, you know, enjoy it, I guess. Um,
0: if there's anything you haven't mentioned, I, I want to watch a lot of Oregon State this year. You know, yeah. of of them in Wazoo, the teams are getting screwed most by Pac-12 death. Uh, you know, Oregon State has the better chance of a really good season. So, um, you know, if you if you want to watch our, our favorite chainsaw wielding uh, Beavers, then they will be playing 2:30 on CBS on Sunday against San Jose State, who is probably not very good, but they uh, did give that that and Alex Grinch defense a a real tricky time on Saturday um that and
1: UNC South Carolina and Charlotte yeah yeah yeah, no that's that's fair um South Carolina was was a little better than expected last year if I remember correct
0: yeah I mean they they were pretty solid they've got a you know, pretty decent start to the uh, the Shane Beamer tenure. Uh, and UNC, we're, we're kind of figuring out what exactly they are, uh, you know, cool. how how much Mac has left in the tank. But um, it could at least be competitive between two teams that do actually, like, have a little bit of animosity, even if, you know, UNC has bigger rivals. South Carolina has bigger rival rivals, but there is some contention over who gets to call themselves Carolina. So, yeah. Uh, there's that you got going for you. Otherwise, I think you kind of named everything as far as, you know, each window, what's good. Boise, Washington is absolutely the play in the afternoon. I'll keep an eye on Cal against UNT, but that's because yeah. I'm Yeah, it's, it's kind of rough, which, you know, is unfortunate. Uh, but like two months ago, I would absolutely take a rough weekend of football. So none of us are in a position to complain. There are a few uh, FCS upset shouts here. Uh, Sam yeah. Houston, actually, Sam Houston State is FBS now, but BYU could be really bad this year. So uh, if you want to see a newly minted FBS team, the BYU, that uh, could happen at 9.15 Central Time. There was one other one. Oh, uh, I'm sort of interested in seeing Western Kentucky uh, or Eastern Kentucky and Cincinnati, Cincy. You know, obviously they're changing a bunch. They immediately downgraded substantially by replacing Ludwigel with Scott Satterfield. Um, Eastern has not been great. Uh, they were only seven and five last year, but they have a decent floor as a program, so maybe they give Cincinnati a shot. Um, you mentioned you and I versus Iowa State. That's worth watching or at least, you know, keeping an eye on, I guess. I guess those are the big ones.
1: Uh, Fresno State, Purdue could be interesting. And um, Yeah, is uh, is the quarterback still there, Hainer? He's he's got it.
0: No, Jake Hainer is a saint now. Oh, I'm good for him. New Orleans game, so. um, If you want to see the Gophers' next opponent... 5.30 5.30 on Friday Howard and Eastern Michigan play so um, that'll be on ESPN Plus if you want to do some early scouting but we should hopefully have more to talk about going into week two uh, but who knows maybe a lot of weird stuff goes down because this sport has a, has a knack for just sneaking up on you and having weird stuff happen even in week one so uh, hopefully we have something cool to talk about next week
1: Yep.
0: Is there anything you want to cover before we sign off? Uh, No, just really looking forward to it. What game do you think Eddie Vedder will watch
1: before he goes on stage? Uh, Supersonics joke. Good enough for me. Yep.
0: Everyone have a a great first football weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again
1: soon. See ya.